Might have to. Can we start over? No. Come on. I didn't know you'd push record. All right. Hello and welcome to Veterinary Journal Club. I feel like this is a new thing where Topher sets me up for failure. Yeah. So what I was saying was I kind of want to adjust my microphone because I'm not super comfortable. I don't know. It's different than the last time we used it. Moving things around. Hi. Oh, all right. So welcome to Veterinary Journal Club. This might be the last or one of the last veterinary journal clubs. You're struggling too. You moved all the furniture around, didn't you? I just had to move the thing for you to be comfortable. Oh, okay. Because I'm capable of moving the mic myself. Okay, but I'm not apparently. Okay, that's better. I had to tighten it. Uh, Yeah, this might be our last veterinary journal club. Because as if you've been listening, you know that um, we put out a call to kind of rename the podcast. And I don't, we're not, I don't think we're going to announce it now, but in well, a, in this, it now. you want to announce it now? Yeah. We said it'd be like November 1st ish. Oh, we're past that. Yeah. Oh, we already decided to. Okay. Do you want to tell them what it is? Oh, we got a new logo. Yeah. I don't have the new logo still on your computer at work. Oh. I get that. Mm-hmm. But we're now <laughs> going to be that club. club. Okay. That was pretty impressive that we just <laughs> did that simultaneously. Um, so thank you to everybody who participated and sent us suggestions. Um, so it was uh, actually Dr. Bhavandeep Shergill, or Shergill. Sorry, doctor. I uh, probably got that wrong. I think I got your first name right. Bhavandeep Shergill. I'm just not sure if it's Shergill or Shergill. But anyway, um, so he contributed uh, <clears throat> essentially the, the winning suggestion. We tweaked it a little bit. Yeah. Um, but thank you very much. Bhavandeep for that and for listening. Um, and we'll be sending you a, a prize for your winning submission soon. Yay. I don't know when exactly, but soon for sure. So, yeah, we'll, we're rebranding. Nothing's really going to change. Um, we just felt like this. We don't do journal club much. <laughs> Ironically, though, that's what we're going to do today. Yeah. That funny. <laughs> Which is good for like our, our send off um, for the last veterinary journal club so it'll be vet club we're just dropping the journal um because we wanted it to be a little bit more inclusive and a better representation of what we do yeah so it's a club yeah join the club cool do vet stuff yeah it just doesn't have to be journal stuff it can be like today but um so uh you got snacks things um so this this is a little bit different though this was your idea to first you tell him what the plan is for today yeah there's all these like um when I go over by Bobby's stuff, there's just like journals laying around and it looks like people may or may have not read them. And oh, you're like, talking about in, near the office? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, wouldn't it be cool? Um, so it's like, it's a magazine full of probably impossibly boring articles. Not all of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wouldn't it be cool if like you gave a rundown of like a whole edition how often does this one come out does it come out monthly or every other month six every other month Mm -hmm. so you can say like like how you read the articles how you decide because like a normal person does isn't going to read them all and i am a normal person so i don't read them all yeah but uh like how you decide which ones you read what do you do with the stuff Mm -hmm. like how you decide which ones not to read yeah 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 so that's what we're gonna do how to read a journal 
Well, and then also know, like yeah. a, it's a good rundown. How case, I read a journal yeah, at least. In case you don't want to read the journal, you can watch our watch or listen to our podcast and be done in 40 minutes. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I kind of ramble sometimes. So we're starting with, this is um, an issue of the Journal of Veterinary Medical Education, or JVME. Um, And this is from June 2021. Um, So it's a little old now, but volume 48, issue three. Do they have Um, it online? Yes. Like the, the whole, do they split up by journal or do they split up by article online? Like, can I give a link to the whole... Yes. Okay, cool. You can do that. I'll now, do that. if they don't have a subscription, they might not be able to access all of the individual articles, <laughs> but I'm going to talk to you about the important stuff anyway. Yeah. So, um, depending on what, like, Google libraries you, you have, <laughs> depending on what libraries you have access to, because um, this one is not an open access journal, yeah. which is kind of disappointing, but it's really expensive to have an open access journal, so I get it. Um, but this is the journal of the AAVMC or the American Association of Association of Veterinary Medical Colleges. Basically, all the deans of the colleges um, kind of get together to put this on. They're not actually the ones putting it on, but that the AVMC is made up of those people. So um, a couple different ways when you get a new issue or, again, whether this is happening online or not. But, yeah, online they'll give you the same thing, like table of contents, essentially. This is what is in this particular issue. Um, and there's usually a similar, like, order of things. So the first things, just like in most magazines, the letters to the editor. Um, so these are just like, hey, somebody sent their opinion. And funny thing about this one, we actually talked about one of these articles. Um, you weren't there. This was the one I did with oh, the, uh, Dr. Grossman about jargon. Words. Yeah. Um, so that spawned that podcast, if you've been listening. How hard um, is it to get a letter to the editor? And like, I don't know. I've never submitted one. Like if I were to write one in, would I have a shot? Probably not. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I guess it would depend on what you wrote it about. Yeah. Um, but I imagine they'd be wondering why you were submitting a letter to like this very specific veterinary journal but if they followed the podcast they might be like hey this guy's legitimate yeah he's not a veterinarian but he's totally got opinions about this stuff so like if you wrote something relevant to like our podcast yeah, and, I guess and reference like, that then maybe like do they get hundreds of write-ins is this like dear the, abby or no i i mean i don't know but i would imagine no do they get like do they get like tens maybe yeah handfuls maybe i think you've talked about writing in a couple times i know and, and i never do. have yeah, it's probably what most people do. They Less probably like, publish a hundred percent of them. They might. They. They. I would not be surprised. Um, so, and those are usually pretty short. Um, but the titles of those can sometimes, like letters to the editor, catch your attention. And like the one um, in this um, issue, anatomic veterinary usage discussion around technical nomenclature versus jargon. And I was like, hmm, interesting. I wonder what this one's going to be about. So I read that, and it's a pretty short one. Um, The other letter to the editor in this issue is what matters most to residency and intern selection committees in veterinary medicine. And I was like, oh, that's also relevant to what I do. And that's a nice graduation from vet school. (laughs) That's not actually what matters most. What do you think matters the most? Wait, hang on. I'll give you the list of the options that they gave people. um, And then you can decide what you think. Um, Okay, so. They asked participants to list the six criteria from an applicant's materials, so letters of recommendation, class ranking, CV, or curriculum vitae, uh, GPA, personal statement, and transcripts in order of importance. So which one do you think is consistently the most important as ranked by people who are reviewing applications? I think CV. CV? Nope. Everything else seems kind of like meaningless. Okay, that is not what people found most important. Yeah. When looking for residents. 
Do you have a second guess? No, because everything else is pretty much meaningless. Including the CV. <clears throat> um, so At least CV, like, it shows that yeah. you've done some things. Like, you've yeah. worked at, like, different hospitals and yeah, you've had some it's, experience. It's like, you know, you're like, here is, a you know. Like, I feel like someone, if you're somewhere. applying for an ECC residency and you've mm-hmm. worked in ER for three years, yeah. that's that's impressive. More relevant. That's probably more fair than, uh, so what, what was... What is consistently in multiple studies rated as the most important thing are the letters of recommendation. Yeah. So the opinions of three or four other people who were selected by the person who's applying. Yeah. Um, And that's been shown to be um, unreliable and not predictive of performance time and time again. So that was the point of this letter to the editor. They're like, hey... Turns out the thing you guys are valuing the most, you shouldn't be valuing probably really much at all. Yeah. Um, and it's incre- it's it's really um, subjective. Uh, well, it's obviously subjective, but it's um, heavily biased. Like, it is. Yeah. Hey, I like this person, so I write him a letter. And it's a huge part of the application, and it'd be really cool if we got rid of him. I would save so much time My boss at work has a, a funny thing. He's like, um, one of the guys that we work with asked for a reference one time. Mm-hmm. And he was, he's like, no, don't ever ask anybody for a reference. Ask for a good, a good reference. Yeah. No, that's actually advice that most students um, are given and therefore yeah. ask. Like when I get, I didn't used to, this didn't used to happen, but the word got around and no, that sounded weird. Not the word got around that I wrote bad references, but I think the, the advice was given when you're asking for a letter of recommendation, say something don't like, do you feel Dr. comfortable? <laughs> yeah. That, that word has not gotten around. Um, do you feel comfortable writing me a strong letter of recommendation or a, a good or a supportive or something like that? Um, but at any rate, they're saying we should probably scrap this altogether um, and just go with a uh, portfolio, which would include something like your CV. Yeah, that's what um, I think of as like a CV. It's like, yeah. what have you done? And then if, if you really want to get to know people a little bit better, do like the multiple mini interviews or virtual interviews, formal in-person. They're like, that's probably better. <laughs> Personality test. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, that was a fun little letter Figure to the editor. Sequence of letters you need to fit in with and your And you know the one of the authors of this letter. Remember Ken Royal? Yeah. Yeah, so Ken wrote that one. Cool. He was like, you guys are doing this all wrong. He's the one from NC State? Yeah, he's a super smart guy. So he's not a veterinarian, but he's an um, education guru and specialist and like super smart, really nice guy. But he like wants things to be done correctly. And so yeah. he's like, hey guys, you're not. I feel like <laughs> so. with that, there's a lot of just like selecting people. There, there's always the, the thing like, oh, if you select someone... Um, for this reason, you're not selecting because they're the best. There's no ranking these people. Nobody knows. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, we, we did a study where we were trying to figure out with um, drug who would be good with drug calculations and who would need more help. Anything and else. we did, I did, a, I did personally, yes. a statistical analysis. And I found there was only one out of um, all the types of GPA. So science, uh, major, overall, overall um, their GRE scores. Um, and there were a couple other things. Mm-hmm. The only thing that had a, stis- uh, a difference. Within vet school students. Yeah, within vet school students. Like a standard deviation that would, well, not, if that showed any significance was the um, GRE comprehensive section. Is that the section? I don't remember what the section is. That's the, the English The reading section. comprehension? Yeah. Okay. And then, um, and that was only by like 20 points was the standard deviations, which isn't like, Relevant. Which isn't a relevant difference. So all these people were the same. Yeah. The the GPA standard deviation was like point. So transcripts are useless. So everybody has the same GPA. Everybody has the same. Yeah. 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 It's all the same. Yeah. Funny thing. 
We're going to talk about drug calculations in veterinary medicine in this episode or in this issue later as oh, well. Does someone have an article about it in there? <laughs> yes. Yeah. This Did you read that one? one? I didn't read it. I, I mean, I read it multiple times before I submitted it, but yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I, I definitely read the letters to the editor. I don't always, um, but these ones, uh, you know, the title sort of piqued my interest. And then I'm not going to lie, like, I do look at the authors, and if it's somebody I know, I'm like, oh, what did they do? Yeah, you don't want to be embarrassed. Oh, did you see my article? Yeah, I read I totally your, did not. your article. That was an interesting study. It was a letter <laughs> to the editor, Bobby. Oh. That's what I said. Darn. I totally said that. Um, so, challenges and issues. Um, the first challenges and issues article is the development of advanced veterinary nursing degrees, rising interest levels for careers as advanced practice registered veterinary nurses. This one's cool. We've talked about this um, concept on the podcast uh, a while ago. Um, If you remember, we had um, Sam on uh, our our student and one of our veterinary nurses. Come on. I'm I'm trying to remember. Maybe we didn't publish that one though. No, we put it up. Oh, we did. Okay. Okay. So um, where we talked about like the role of veterinary technicians yeah, in veterinary sure. medicine. And we talked about um, the potential for creating alternative tracks, um, things like, you know, can they become the, the equivalent of a nurse practitioner yeah. in human medicine? And so this was a fun article talking about, hey, we need to start thinking about what we're going to do. We have a shortage of um, technicians. We have a shortage of veterinarians. We, we can't provide the services that are needed right now. And so this is a, a potential way that we can do this. And everybody was afraid of it in human medicine when they're like, oh, doctor salaries are going to drop. We're not going to make any money. We're going to run out of jobs and it's going to be catastrophic. And, you know, people are going to be dying left and right in the streets, you know, very... Very uh, end of days kind of stuff. And that obviously didn't happen. It turned out it solved a lot of the issues in, in human medicine at the time. That was back in 1965. Oh, another fun thing in this article. Sorry, I get distracted. But um, so they were just kind of like reviewing in the introduction, like some of the history of specialty medicine and things like that. And you may guess, but which... Um, for veterinary nurses, they, they can become specialized. Veterinary technicians can specialize in, in particular fields. Which field do you think was the first to develop veterinary specialty training for technicians? Surgery. Really? Was it right? No. Oh. Emergency and critical care. Oh, why? What do you mean, why? I don't, you don't need to know anything for that. You're a jerk. Surgery, you got to know like which tool it is. Lame. Scaffold number three. So I thought it was interesting because surgeons are the ones always throwing things at people. (sighs) Not the good ones. (laughs) Yeah, I said it. That's right. Only crummy surgeons throw instruments. Yeah. Full stop. Somebody throws an instrument at you. You have my permission to catch it and throw it back at them. Unless Um, it's a knife. Don't catch a knife. No, catch it sharp side away from you and throw it back at them. <laughs> That's like the worst thing I can imagine is a surgeon throwing an instrument. Like, what are you, a toddler? Grow up. Okay, anyway. So um, I think it's interesting because emergency critical care is actually one of the more recent um, veterinary specialties, like for veterinarians to develop. It hasn't been around that long. Surgeons and internists have been around a lot longer. But it was the emergency critical care group that was like, we should have specialized nurses. And yeah, so I thought that was kind of a cool um, fun fact, how, whatever's interesting is it first formed in 1996, so it hasn't been around that long, the, the ability to be f- for veterinary technicians to specialize. Anyway, this was a fun um, article where they reviewed, like, what could it look like? They also um, included a survey of veterinary technicians and people, like, related to that, assistance and things like that. How many of you would be interested? In, um, so, so this one was kind of cool. Like, 
getting out there. We have people who would be interested. What would it look like? They kind of gave an outline of like, what, what could the curriculum be? How would that work? Um, what would be the objectives of the program? Um, and it'd be really cool to see a group like take this on and be like, yeah. we're just, we're doing this. this I think is the happening. big challenge with that would be, the, um, like being a vet technician isn't even a thing in every state. Like Florida, you didn't have to be. The, the rules are different come from off state off to state. Streets and do yeah, it, right? the Whereas here in Virginia, you need a license to do you it. You have to have, yeah, there are very sp- um, specific criteria. And then not only that, but like what a technician can do is very regulated. Where most states, like in, in, in Virginia, if you, if you are not a licensed veterinary technician, you are not allowed to place an IV catheter. And that is not true in other places. Yeah. Like every other state I've lived in, like, it's kind of very vague, like, eh, yeah, if, if, if you're being supervised, by, you can do pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. So um, there are pros and cons with that. I think the pros absolutely outweigh the cons. I really like how Virginia does it. Yeah, um, it, it, it makes more it, sense. And it elevates what they're doing. It's like, no, this is not, you can't just have anybody walk in off the street and do this job. It requires training and certification and, you know, validation. So this is like a, a step up from there. Yeah. So anyway, this article is pretty cool. So I definitely read that one. Um, then probably the best article in the entire issue. No, I'm kidding. Best um, article of the century. <laughs> that four people Highlander have read. Movie. Yeah, definitely. So, um, this is, this is an article that I wrote called drug calculations in veterinary medical education. Where are we? Um, and I actually wrote this quite a while ago, but it only came out a couple months ago in print. It did get, um, electronically published before it was published on paper. Um, so I have to admit I didn't, reread this has one. anybody at the uh the vet school acknowledged that you wrote it yet yeah remember i told you got an email okay um from a colleague who was like hey i saw because they put out like, no, just like know. in the hallway it's like oh great article dr connor no, no nobody's done that that'd be weird <laughs> i would totally do that if i yes happened you to read it. totally would uh you haven't read it no <gasps> oh, you're the worst you're the worst so i probably have heard it spoken a lot the bits you get the gist of it yeah um so then they have um teaching tips which are usually like not studies per se um it's just like hey here's the thing we're doing and we like it and it's kind of cool um and so this part of the issue i usually skim and decide like hey does that sound like something i could incorporate into the stuff i do anyway like what kind of stuff do i teach um so i look at the titles um so and i just sort of decide like does that sound like something i'm probably going to do yes no um and if it's like vague or maybe if it's you know one of the authors is somebody i know then i might read the abstract and be like oh maybe and then after the abstract i'm like i definitely don't need to read this or oh yeah. yeah i'm totally interested and i want to i want to get more um or i might say oh there's a part of that that sounds really interesting so i'm going to skip ahead just to the methods and so I might pick and choose a little bit um how to how to go about that one um so I'll, I kind of you know go through this issue and I'm like mm, that one's probably not super relevant to me um but then I got to another teaching tip called soda pop which is an acronym soda pop yeah soda pop a metacognitive mnemonic framework to teach antimicrobial selection so this combines a few fun things. One, Soda Pop is just a fun acronym. Two, the first author on this one, Stephen Cole, is somebody I work with on another committee. And so I'm like, hey, know that guy. And then the third thing is antimicrobial selection and antibiotic use and things like that is something I'm interested in. So I was like, yeah, clearly got to read this article. Um, so this is a teaching tip where it's like, hey, we taught our students how to use Soda Pop, um, an acronym as a guide for like just a, a step-by-step process for how to decide um, about 
using antibiotics. And so the, um, the acronym stands for, so soda pop stands for source, um, organism. So the source would be like, is there an appropriate source for the suspected disease? Like, does it make sense that this patient has an infection, um, organism, what would be a common agent? Like what kind of bacteria would you expect to grow in that area? Um, D is decide to treat only if the organism is a potential pathogen, like only if it all makes sense. Antimicrobials is then what are all the antimicrobials to which, you know, this organism is susceptible. And then from there, think about what's the the lowest tier or like the, the smallest gun, so to speak. And then, so that's soda. And then pop patient, um, looking at, thinking about your particular patient, any antibiotics that like would be inappropriate or contraindicated options. And then again, okay, what are all of my options choosing the lowest tier or the basically the um, um, the least big gun? You don't want to use your like, save save the best for last, like is kind of the, the concept there. And then P, the last P is plan. So, okay, what's the dose? What's the route? How often am I going to do it? How long am I going to do it for? Um, how are we going to invest? So that's, that's kind of the acronym that they went with. Like, okay, teach students how to use this acronym to kind of go through step by step by step. How do I make choices about antimicrobial selection. Um, so anyway, that's what they described in this article. Um, so kind of a fun. a fun, yeah. So it's a fun little, again, a teaching tip. So for, for the teaching tips, there's usually not a, like a study component. We're like, Oh, we did a survey or we assessed how this worked. It was more just like, we like this. We think it's good. We think other people might find it useful. We're just going to describe it and share it, which is super awesome. Yeah. Um, because sometimes you're just like, yeah, that sounds good. I want to use it. Um, so that was, uh, another one of the teaching tips. Um, and then there were some, some that I'm just like, that one doesn't sound like something I want to read. And so I don't, and that's mm-hmm. okay. And you know, I don't want to like point out any of them be like, these are specific ones I don't want to read. Um, because that seems rude, but, um, yeah, if you don't want to read it, don't yeah, read it. Yeah, and that's okay. If it becomes cool, someone will tell you about it. Then there are some like this one. Um, so then there's what, um, for this journal they call an educational research report so these are usually more study more classic study design um so this one is another one that i did not read however i filed it away i'm like ooh, that could come up later um so i just try to remember that this exists out there um but i'm not going to read it and i'll explain why in a second so the title of this one is design and validation of a simulator for feline cephalic vein cannulation a pilot study so basically they're like hey why do they have such weird names for journal articles? I don't know. Somebody decided decades ago, yeah. more than that, that was like, we can't just say what we mean. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of how it has to be. Um, every once in a while, people come up with fun names. The, the cool thing to do in human medicine now is to come up with a fun acronym for your study. It's like, ooh, this is the crash trial. Ooh, this is the blah, blah, blah. And yeah. the, the rose petal trial. And the funny thing is the acronyms don't actually work. <laughs> They're like, they just like think of the words and they're like, well, that sounds kind of like this acronym. And then they make the, the term up and that's now just what whatever called. their favorite TV show. Yeah. Is. Like essentially they just kind of make it up and then that becomes the thing and they put it in the title and it's genius. Um, but this one, so basically they're saying we um, are going to describe, I'm again, didn't read this article, but they're like, we're going to describe how we created uh, a high fidelity model for um, allowing students to practice putting IV catheters in a cat leg or specifically the cephalic vein. Yeah. I think and like, there's lots of pictures and things like that. A better article would be like 
how to teach students to put catheters in cats. Yeah, but then you don't sound super smart, um, and that's the most important <laughs> yeah, thing. You probably get like a poor review if you have a title that makes sense. They probably wouldn't even accept it. What is, hey, what is this? This was probably written by a, a lay person. You know what would make a really good model for putting a catheter in a cat? A cat. Motor, come here. Come here. Can you go, hold still while we put a catheter in you for real? No. Look at him. What a good boy. He came right over for those of you that are just listening. Um, but at any rate, so I'm looking at this article. I'm like, hey, that's really cool, but also not something I need right now. And so I could read it and know that if I ever wanted to use this information, I'm going to have to reread it. He's going to like step on the stuff and turn things off. Um, and so I just like file this away as this exists. Um, and if I ever need this, or sometimes I'll just share this with other people who do this, like, oh, we have our veterinarians down in the lab. And if they ever wanted to get some ideas about how to create a model for a cat, like I pass it along to them. Yeah. Um, so sometimes I'm just like, I don't have time to read every article right now. Well, so um, if you read it, like you're not going to remember everything. And exactly. From that's it. the whole point. Like I know I'll have to reread it if I ever want to do this. So just kind of file it away as something that is available. And that's pretty awesome. Awesome. Um, because like you said, yeah, it's not like I'm going to read it once, memorize everything. And like, I can totally reproduce this from memory. That's not going to happen. Um, then there's others that talk about, you know, like a flipped classroom and things like, I'm like, I've kind of read a bunch about that. And I don't know that I'm going to get a whole lot. I mean, it's probably making bad choices now and again and not reading things that I should, but I don't have time to read every single article. Yeah. Well, that's why you're in like article. all your committees and stuff. Yeah. And- you can guys talk about stuff that can be like, oh, I read this article. It's like, I totally skipped over that one. You can go back and Yeah, check it exactly. I'd be like, oh, clearly that was one I needed to read. And that does come up. And that's one of the nice things about chatting with other people routinely um, is that collectively we can all decide like, hey, did you catch that one? That one was really good. So then we have another one uh, that's got some people I know. <laughs> Turns out veterinary medicine is a tiny, tiny, tiny profession. Um, so this one's some people from uh, University of Florida. Um, I didn't read this whole article because it's a survey of integrative veterinary medicine training in AVMA accredited veterinary colleges. So integrative medicine, um, meaning the combination of like complementary, it's considered complementary medicine, alternative therapy. So acupuncture, physical therapy, laser therapy, hyperbaric oxygen, all of those, um, all of those things kind of get lumped together in integrative or, um, um, complementary medicine, alternative medicine, that kind of stuff. And so they're like, who's teaching this and where and why? Um, and so I was able to actually just skim this one again. I knew some of the authors, so I was like, Oh, let me see. There's a, there's a big old table in there that kind of just gives you a rundown of all of the veterinary schools and who's teaching this and whatnot. But I'm like, I'm probably not going to read every word in this article. So skip around, move along. Um, that's one of the things that's kind of fun about the tables and charts and things like that is, it's a nice visual. I can quickly take this in and without reading the whole article, I can decide, hey, okay, I think I get the idea, which is probably super unfair and misleading for somebody who wrote the whole thing. There's probably more to it. Um, but again, I have to pick and choose. Sometimes so, I feel like the the articles and stuff, it's, it's like, oh, we want to get this table out there, but we have to write a whole stinking <laughs> article I know, just right? to get it published. Uh, it's true. I have all these words. Yeah, I wish we could just put this table out there. That's all the people are going to read. Yeah. So then there's this next article um, is titled Using Fine Arts-Based Training to Develop Observational Skills in Veterinary Students Learning Cytology, a pilot study. And I was like, like playing the piano. what the heck? Yeah, I was like, I don't know what that means. And so I had to read a little bit about at least to figure out what the heck that means. And it was, I'm, I'm going to say it was kind of disappointing. <laughs> 
Um, so I read the wow. abstract. I know. I know. Um, well, it was basically, so they're saying that, you know, Arts-based training has been shown to improve medical students' observational skills. And so they're saying, okay, by learning how to look at art and describe these types of things, they can develop other skills. Oh, so you mean like like actual like pictures and stuff, like yeah. paintings? Yeah, exactly. And so that's what they did in this. They gave students some training on like reviewing art, various art forms. I think some sculptures, some paintings, I don't really know. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, see if then that can translate into their ability to describe what they're seeing on cytology. So we get, um, you know get a sample of tissue cells and we squirt them onto a slide and then students have to look at them under a microscope, would that one skill translate to the other oh, one? Oh, yeah, it makes sense because you get yeah. used to describing things. Exactly. Kind of like a Rorschach type Makes deal. sense. Except it didn't really pan out in the study. Oh, it um, didn't? No. So students got better at describing art. That They definitely, with practice, got better at that. But it didn't, in this study, necessarily translate. Now, there's all sorts of reasons why that may have been the case. Yeah. But... That's why I said it was kind of disappointing. Yeah, that happens. Sometimes you get but an it idea totally and it happens. doesn't. Yeah. It's better. You're always complaining about not having negative papers published. No, there no, you no, go. no. Yeah, it's, it, it, it should have been published. It was a good thing. It, it was well done. Um, and it doesn't mean that like this can never work. It just means you have to look at the methodologies and other things. Do we have to go beat up the cat for stealing? No, I think. Um, motor finished his food. I think Motor finished. Sorry, yeah, the cat's got their poking. food right now. And sometimes um, Hippo picks on Motor and tries to take his food. Then there's another one that was like that um, one with the art. I could oh. see, um, I could see it working better. Like if you got a different, like pick different strategies. Yeah. So it's not like oh this is done. We can never do any studies like this again. That's not yeah. what you should take away from that. But this particular study didn't work out the way they wanted. Um, but it like students didn't learn from it, and they actually I think if I remember correctly in that one the students liked it. They yeah. thought it was cool and it was. I helpful. feel like for like a cytology thing like short. where's Waldo might be better. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, but it's, it's, it's a fun idea and it's like, okay, there's other things that we, we could be doing. Um, then there were a couple others and I'm like, no, that one's not doing it for me. Um, kind of skipped a few of them because again, you just have to sort of make choices. Um, oh, this one was another one that I thought was cool. Also another author that I knew. (laughs) So (laughs) investigate John Grisham. It's not, um, investigating the effects of error management training versus error avoidance training on the performance of veterinary students learning blood smear analysis. So um, again, error management, meaning like, hey, make some errors, learn from that versus uh, don't ever make any mistakes, you terrible, terrible person, Mm -hmm. right? And trying to say, hey, students actually embrace making the mistakes. It will help your learning um, and how that can help them. And the results of this one were, I'm trying to remember exactly. Um, I don't, basically... I think both groups learned, like whether you did the error management training or error avoidance. It wasn't that they learned better in this study with the error management training, um, but they were equal. And so it's in general, maybe better to use error management training because it's just like mentally probably better for you. Um, So basically they showed like non-inferiority of using an error management training strategy versus error avoidance was what they kind of got out of this particular study. Um, So that one... Again, fairly straightforward, um, but good. Pretty cool. Um, What else have I got here? Um, Veterinary student opinions regarding ethical dilemmas encountered by veterinarians and the benefits of ethics instruction. Um, This was one that, I'll be honest, I read the abstract and was like, I feel like I get the gist of this one. I didn't feel like I needed to read the whole article. Like, it wasn't one where I'm like, I need more detail on their methods or 
motor, don't turn off the show, buddy. Um, I didn't feel like, like it made sense to me. It was sort of logical. I'm like, okay, yeah, I get that. Um, so again, I'm just, I didn't necessarily read the whole thing word for word. Uh, cool. And I liked the concept, but I didn't read it all. Sorry. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. I'm being honest here. Um, I skipped that one. I'm not going to announce everyone that I skipped. Um, and then another one that I was like, I don't totally think I know what that means. Incorporation of equine learning theory into the undergraduate cu- curriculum. There were a couple of reasons where I was like, I don't know if I'm going to read that. Um, cause again, like teaching undergrads horse stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, that's not really my bag. Like undergrads for just in general I think or undergrads so. that want to go to vet school. I don't really know, but like, I'm yes. pretty sure. I guess you could Probably have some like horse stuff when yeah. I was doing my physics degree. Yeah. I like, mean, and there's some like careers that involve like equine stuff that don't necessarily end up going to vet school. I don't really know because I skipped it. Yeah. Well, you got these horses are really expensive. So you get horses more bang for your expensive. buck if you get the undergrads using them too. That's probably true. Um, and so, yeah. So sometimes I just, I see the articles and I'm like, meh, I don't think I'm going to read that one. And I might be missing out on some amazing stuff. Like, it's definitely true. But like you were saying earlier, if... That's um, why you talk to other people. You talk to other people and everybody's buzzing about this, like, equine framework learning something or other. And I was like, yeah, that one does seem really awesome. I just haven't gotten around to reading it just yet, but it's on my list. (laughs) Or I could just say, really? That was not one I was thinking was going to be really cool and interesting. But clearly, uh, yeah, I noticed that too. One of the lights flickered. Um, Anyway, so that's an example of one issue in one type of journal and how I would maybe go through it and pick and choose. And so you can see there's some like logic to it and like, oh yeah, that seems relevant to me. And other times like, hey, that's a friend of mine. I'm going to read that. Um, And that's fine as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, So I I do think titles matter um, when it gets, when it comes to having people like read your articles, you do want it to be you know, sound one, it should reflect what the article is about. That's probably the most important thing. Um, yeah, and, this isn't you know, CNN. Yeah, too, it should be. Um, but it, if it can grab somebody, you know, so you want it to be succinct. Um, and then, you know, your abstract, obviously, same kind of thing should summarize the whole point and get people to be like, I should read that. I mean, but if I like read my article or, you know, the the title and the um, abstract, like for most people, they're gonna be like, nah. <laughs> Like, if you're not already interested in that, if, if you're, you're not, not teaching, teaching drug, drug calculations, calculations, yeah, you're probably going to be like, okay, that's kind of kind of interesting, but I'm probably going to skip that. But if you're somebody who's like nerds out about this or you have to teach drug calculations, like the colleague that reached out to me was like, oh, I need to read that. I'm curious about what you're doing because this is part of what I do. Um, that's relevant to you. And so you're going to spend some time reading that. That makes sense. Um, so again, hopefully if you can, you know, like, so what I wrote in this, the purposes of this challenges and issues article are to briefly discuss the potential, blah, 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 blah. Like, here's why I wrote this. Um, decide for yourself from that if you want to read it. So I always think that kind of stuff is helpful. But at any rate, also, mine was nice and short. It was it was nice, like, boom, get to the point, be done with it. Um, just saying. How do they pick the picture for the front? I've I don't been know. wondering that. I don't know. Do you know any of those people? I do not. You know that dog? I do. <laughs> yeah, this is Larry. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, so it's based on one of, like, whatever they think is going to be a big issue. So this was based on the other challenge is an issue about um, veterinary, role of veterinary nurses in our profession. Um, so veterinary nurses on the healthcare team. And then they presumably got some veterinary nurses um, to pose for a picture with a big old dog. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's cool. Yeah, I don't know who's in charge of that. The editorial staff, they've got somebody. 
who lays it all out. For this podcast at like 18 minutes in, I was really worried that I hadn't pressed record. <gasps> but you did. But I did. Yeah, I looked at oh, everything. Yeah, remember how at the beginning I wanted to start over and you said no? Yeah. Because I messed up again. Yeah, well, I didn't mess up, so. I did. Yes. I know. Yeah, but if you mess up, nobody gets to know about it because you're the producer. You just get to start over. No, I just, it was never started when I mess up. I guess that specific mess up. You've messed up other things. Mm-hmm. But nobody knows about it because you just edit it away. It's into the ether. That's it. That's all I got. Is that what you wanted it to be? Yeah, that's pretty much what I want. Everything you wanted and more? Not more, but it's... Aw. <laughs> it's good enough. Yeah. Cool. All right. Oh. Well... What? All right. I have a trivia question for everybody. For everybody. They can email in. Okay. All right. What movie does the line, do you have the latest Grisham thriller? No. This is a travel book store. Come from. I have a guess, but I don't know. You have a guess? You don't know what it is? I don't know. (sighs) All right. We'll find out in the next episode. Yeah. I think I know what it is. Of that club. And I think that. It's adorable that you're quoting this movie. Yeah, that's why I said, is it by John Grisham? <laughs> oh. Do you have the latest Grisham thriller? Oh, no, I didn't get that. Um, but uh, I think I know what it is. But I will tell you after we hit stop. And then we have to remember to bring this up in the next show. I'll remember. Oh, okay, because I will totally not. Um, okay, yeah, play some music and we will sign out for the last Veterinary Journal Club. Join us next time for Vet Club. Vet Club. Thanks for joining us this time. See you guys. Bye.